You're listening to Market Scale Software and Electronics. This is your host, Lisa Vogt, and today I'm talking to Kelly Perdue, co-founder and managing general partner of Moonshots Capital. Thanks for being here today, Kelly. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Absolutely. And Kelly, you've had a distinguished military career, and then you went on to do so many other very interesting things with your life that I'd love to ask you about today. Um, You pursued a, a JD and an MBA, and then you won season two of The Apprentice, and now you're an angel investor. How did you get into venture capital? I looked at kind of the lifeblood of this country, which is entrepreneurship. I've been bitten by the kind of the entrepreneurial bug, uh, have been a part of either founding or, or co-founding 10 different companies. And I just love the, the passion, the vision, the creativity, and the wealth creation associated with building businesses. So that kind of inspired me to get involved as much as I possibly could. I could only do so much with my lifetime. Um, so I started investing capital into the entrepreneurs that I met that I really liked a lot. And Started as an angel in 2004, and then did that for about a decade while I was also building and operating my own companies, uh, and then moved into doing syndicates where uh, my business partner and I, also a West Point graduate, um, we, we invest heavily in military veteran founders and co-founders. And for about three years, we deployed about $10 million in syndicate capital, and we now have a $40 million venture fund as of October 2017. Um, and we invest as a venture capitalist. So we've gone from the entrepreneur side over to the dark side to the venture capital side. Uh, that's a great journey. Actually, let me ask you about a couple terms that you threw out there just to make sure that people are tracking with us who are listening. Can you talk about what's an angel investor and what does syndicate capital mean in the, in the terms that you're using them? Sure. Angel investor um, typically can be described as someone who can put in anywhere from checks to $25,000 checks. Maybe they get up to $100,000 checks. Depends how much money they've made in their life and that they can deploy into this asset class. And they're just putting them in very early stages of entrepreneurs, typically that they know or meet in the community and they also want to be able to help out with. That has been formalized probably over the last decade to where they operate in large groups. So you can get, you know, angel, angels to invest two to $3 million in a tranche. Mm -hmm. So they've become pretty powerful in the ecosystem. Syndicates are, were formed by kind of the lead angels. So say me and Craig, my business partner, you know, for years we had gotten 10 or 20 or 30 buddies. When we find a really neat deal we like, we vet it, we look through it, we're going to put our own money into it and we tell them about it. So they also write us checks. And those other individuals typically don't do much except write a check. That's how that's how the system typically operated for, you know, up until AngelList launched in 2014. And at that point in time, it became possible to run syndicates. And a syndicate is a group of angels where the single lead angel or angels, the people who are leading the deal, um, get all of the other money in from all the other angels and then write one check into the company. And that lead angel gets 20% carry on the deal, basically. So they get 20% of the profit to go out to the other angels that weren't as involved, didn't find the deal, and weren't the lead angel on the deal. So it kind of created a way for the lead angels to get some form of compensation for all the work they did, other than just the return on their own invested capital. Terrific. And then Moonshots Capital, how would you describe where you fit into that ecosystem? So as a VC fund... Um, as a committed fund, um, when I'm talking with an entrepreneur now, uh, in the syndicate 
I would say, hey, you know, we have a syndicate. I can get you, and I, I like the company. I like what you're doing with the business. I want to invest. I know that I can personally write a check in for say twenty five thousand, but I have four hundred and thirty other angels that listen to what I say. I'm pretty sure I can get you somewhere between three hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars sometime in the next ninety days. And if the entrepreneur is comfortable enough with that range and that time frame, which are a bit amorphous since I don't know exactly how many of the angels are going to want to participate or how quickly I can gather up their money, then I go out to my syndicate and I say, this is the reason I like the deal. This is how much of an allocation I have. This is how much I'm putting in. First come, first serve, there's $300,000 available. Right. It was kind of like herding cats. And it wasn't very precise or a known amount or timing for the entrepreneur. Whereas as a venture fund, you know, with a $40 million committed fund, I know that I'm going to invest checks in the 500 to 800,000 range. And I'm going to decide how much or Craig and my partner and I are going to decide. And I can write the check. I don't have to wait. I don't have to go out and look at stuff. So I can also lead, meaning I can dictate the terms of the round. Like I can say, this is how much your company's worth to us. We'll lead a $2 million round and we'll put $600,000 in and we'll help you get the other $1.4 million for the $2 million. And we'll be a lead. We'll take a board seat. And here are the terms that we're willing to invest like that. It gives us a lot more leverage in the discussion, but even more important, I'd say it's an ability to lead. And that helps galvanize the other people that are interested in the deal because we're going to write a big check, take a board seat and help shepherd that entrepreneur onto success into the next levels of of growth. So you're a very active investor, which I'm sure adds a lot of value to the companies that you invest with. In addition to the money that you're investing, you're investing your time. And I'm sure you give a lot of thought to these investments throughout the day and probably while you're trying to fall asleep at night. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you look for when you're, when you're assessing companies, because I'm sure you get a lot of companies coming to you requesting your investment. Absolutely. Um, we have... 130 plus inbound deals on a monthly basis. Typically, maybe one of those gets an investment. Um, so it is incredibly competitive. There are a lot of variables that we look at, but our thesis at Moonshots Capital is really around leadership. Across the 70 plus companies that Craig and I have invested in over the last decade and a half, the number one most important characteristic of each of those companies that have been successful is the leadership. And the only leadership training we're aware of where millions of dollars is spent training people specifically in leadership is in the military. So Craig and I lean in heavily on our due diligence and look more closely at deals where there's a military veteran as part of the founding team. Other variables that we look at is we're kind of late seed in terms of where we like to invest. So we like to see that there's a product that exists already. So it's not just an idea. There's been some other money raised, whether it's through friends and family or other angels. And there's starting to be revenue generated from you know clients who are willing to, I guess, dogs eating the dog food, if you will. Obviously, there's got to be, because as you described, you were accurate and that Craig and I get heavily involved with the companies after we invest in them. There's got to be good chemistry with the founding team. That doesn't mean they do exactly what we say. It means they at least listen <laughs> to what we say and we can tell that they heard us. They, they're the, the founders and the true owners of the business and they need to make those decisions and run the company. But um, if they're coachable, I guess is a good way to describe it. It's, it's super helpful and 
we found that it's been a lot more successful in terms of working together and helping them be successful. Kelly, are there other venture capital funds where veterans can go to look for funding or do you have a very unique niche where you are really placing a lot of emphasis on military veterans? Moonshots Capital, I think, is authentically unique in that it very much focuses on the leadership characteristic. I think that, you know, and, and, and not wrongly, but I think a lot of venture capital firms tend to jump on whatever's the latest, hottest technology craze, whether it was machine learning from a few years ago to AI to, you know, now cryptocurrencies is incredibly hot. And that's all well and good, but we think that over the course of time, you know, it's really the leadership in any of those categories that prevails in, the, in, in, that, in that vertical or in that marketplace. And especially in the incredibly competitive and tough atmosphere that early stage technology companies live in, their ecosystem, um, leadership is the most important component. Um, but there are hundreds of venture funds, and it isn't that other venture funds won't look at or listen to a veteran entrepreneur. It's that, you know, Craig and I recognize all of the incredible leadership capabilities that they bring to bear. We're also able to bring our network to bear in kind of the due diligence is the first part. You know, I can get a hold of somebody's former commander or teammate. And, you know, we ask one question basically is the due diligence. Do I want this person in my foxhole or not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, right. and it's, it's a pretty incredible, you know, differentiator. A no there is obviously no more discussion. And a yes is a lot, is, is you know, almost a full vouching for that individual. Yeah. And then because we have a pretty extensive network, those military veteran co-founders or entrepreneurs, I can call just about anybody in my network and say, hey, I have a, an ex-Navy veteran who is an entrepreneur and needs some help and needs to talk to you. And it could be a business target. It could be an, whatever it is. And invariably, that person takes that meeting. So it's, it's an incredibly powerful a network that exists. Well, each company you've invested in is so unique. When I look at your portfolio on your website, it's so diverse. And I'd love to get a better sense of your investment. So do you mind if I ask you about three different companies that you've invested in? Fire Okay. So the first one is ArxPax, which is A-R-X-P-A-X. Tell me about them. The founder of ArxPax, co-founders actually, is a, is a West Point graduate and his wife, uh, Greg Henderson, went to Berkeley after he got out of the Army for architecture. And he became obsessed after becoming an architect and building a lot of different types of buildings, all different uses. Um, He became obsessed with trying to figure out a way to make sure people don't die during earthquakes and tsunamis. And it's all about building infrastructure and the strength of the building to withstand usually 30 to 60 seconds of rocking or shaking or waves or whatever it might be. And he developed a a technology infrastructure that allows for the building to be built anywhere, including on water. And the pilot project for that's going up pretty shortly, but it's going to radically change most of the ravaged areas that are in floodplains and watered areas. And as there's continued warming going on, becoming a lot more of the world. Right. Um, it's also going to do some pretty radical things in and around, say, oh, the San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. where there was... You weren't able to actually build within 200, 300 yards of any of those water. You're now going to be able to build all the way out to onto the water. So it's going to create some pretty massive valuations of property. Oh, that's incredible. Okay. Second, let's talk about force field. Yeah, absolutely. Force field. So I'm sure uh, listeners will 
will really like this one. Force field enables uh, a family to create rules around use of all your digital stuff from iPads to iPhones to laptops to whatever it might be. For instance, you could say and set up on, on, on the technology with the software, no texting after 10 p.m. for your kids. Or you could say, here are the 200 websites that they can, that my 16 year old daughter can access. If she wants to go to a different website in the software, she just, when she goes to the website, says, this isn't authorized, clicks the button, it pops your dad's phone and says, hey, I want to go to this website. He can look at it and go click yes or click no or whatever it might be. So it, it really gives um, the family the ability to feel safe in and around all of the technology environments. And also, you know, maybe take some control back in terms of where people spend their time, uh, not just on their devices. Very important, especially given some of the conversations that are happening around technology today. And then third, tell me about ID.me. Yeah, absolutely. So ID.me was also founded by a military veteran, Blake Hall. His overarching thesis is the identity layer of the internet is where so much security, so, so many security issues are happening, whether it be fake accounts and or people losing a lot of their personal information with kind of the Equifax breach to you name it. Every day, it seems like there's a brand new issue coming up. And ID.me has built some of the most secure uh, software capabilities that exist and enabled different organizations and affiliates, affiliations, like if you're with the military or if you're a nurse or if you're a first responder or if you're a student, um, you can take advantage of any benefits that any other groups want to give, give those affiliates or those affiliations. So some basic examples in e-commerce are go to the Under Armour, go to checkout. And if you are a military veteran, you can take advantage of the best discount that Under Armour wants to provide. Um, because they, you know, have a strong feeling that veterans should get some kind of discount in the checkout flow. IDME enables that to occur, and you can take that example and take that all the way through to, for instance, your if you're going to the doctor and you have all your health records and you want to ensure that only that doctor gets to see just your health records. IDME can enable that capability as well. So it's online identity verification, and it's got just massive, massive applications. Fantastic. I mean, the, the diversity of investments is, is really interesting. I'm sure that your days are filled with just fascinating conversations about where we're headed in the future. And given that, I wanted to ask you, Silicon Valley is known as the center of venture capital in the US, but other cities also have really significant startup activity. Austin, Washington, D.C., where I'm talking to you from. Do you think more of the action will move away from Silicon Valley in the future, or maybe it already is? Yeah, our you know thesis at Moonshots Capital, we're co we're co headquartered in Los Angeles and Austin. So Craig Cummings, my partner, is based in Austin, and I'm based in Los Angeles. And the activity level that we see is fantastic, and the diversity of entrepreneurs and the access to capital and the access to talent continues to grow in other places. Um, you don't have as many of the problems that you necessarily do in kind of the, up in the San Francisco and Bay Area with Everything from uh, the price of housing obviously radically impacts how much it costs to pay employees, Um, but also the competitive nature of the environment. I mean, you can spend months recruiting and paying top dollar for an engineer, you know, and six months later, they're poached away from you by another really, really, really big company. So that hasn't happened yet to the degree that 
in Los Angeles and in Austin and other cities like you've described, Washington, D.C. is also a place where we have IDME is based in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. You know, we're, we're agnostic as to geography and we think great ideas come from everywhere. I will not, though, discount the importance of having follow-on capital available from other venture capitalists and business partners and talent. That ecosystem needs to be created in each of those, those cities that you described. And is there anything that you'd like to share with the listening audience before we sign off? My, my passion is entrepreneurship. So all you entrepreneurs out there who are you know, excited about your vision or a little trepidatious about making that jump, I'd say, you know, go for it. It's one of the, I'd say, easiest times in the world to build companies and to access capital, especially at the early stages. Um, and if you can prove it out in the early stages, you can continue to raise the capital needed to build your business so that you can create great value for the entire ecosystem. Great advice. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts today. Thanks, Kelly. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.